What's up, you bunch of fucking blowholes? How you guys doing today? Good afternoon, head to head. This is Chris. Hey, this is Salty Scott. How's, how's everybody doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm salty as a motherfucker. Oh. Yeah? Yeah. Good morning. I, good I, afternoon. I, good day, I, sir. <laughs> good night, John boy. Good evening. Yeah. Book it. Yeah. Some of your day, brother. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, man, you know, just another day in paradise. But let's get on to your saltiness, man. What's going on with your life? You really want to know? I do, I do. Uh, man. Sorry, I mean, because I, I sent you something in the morning that thought was going to motivate you. They're coming out with a Hulk Hogan bio. No, I skipped right over that shit. Well, I was, that's I was wrong in, by I you. was involved in shit. That's, that's, why would you do that, by the way? Well, they got Chris Helmsworth. They got to play Thor. He's going to play Hulkamania. I actually think that's well done. He's going to play Hulkamania. The whole Hulkamania. The whole thing. The whole organization. Bro. The whole thing. Well, I need to see that. Because how big are his arms? Because you can talk about 24-inch pythons and you come and show up at 18s. I'm just going to... Zip my mouth shut because I know, know somebody. I know, like so I know too many motherfuckers that act like an asshole like that. Yeah, well, you know one particular. Yeah, I do. You had me fired up a little yeah, he's bit. He's a while juice you... box. He's a fucking juice box himself. Give him a fucking squeeze. Watch a straw pop out of his fucking ass. Anyway, head to head listeners, sorry for my little rant here, but it's been a little while. And, uh, well, you know, I got a little bench. Remember my New Year's resolution was to bench 405? I do. Everybody was like, ha ha ha, you fat slob, you're not going to get that. Yeah. I got 360 today on bench. I know I sold the video, you have video to prove it to I you. do, because that's what you got to do out there, just so everybody knows you got to have a video or your buddy's got to be there to back you right. up. Right. Well, let's talk uh, about that, because if it, if you it don't have heavy. video, in 2019, if you don't have video, it, didn't, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. You can, even, you can even have a spotter, and it still doesn't count. True. You can have 50 witnesses in Jupiter. Because everything's yeah. out there now. Oh, yeah, it's all on video now. When, when I ate my, uh, my quasi lunch, yeah. it's on video somewhere. And it I probably was, is. And I, and I was in the office. Right. Somebody videoed that somewhere. Somebody oh, threw me on the bus, too, anyway. at the same time. But I will Yeah, I know. It's been a hell of a morning, hasn't it? It's been a great morning. It was God a great week. Damn. Yeah, yesterday, I was more productive being at home than uh, actually getting them going in the office. Yeah, I'm actually exhausted right now. Because not from the workout, but from mentally having to turn my asshole. I had to be an asshole today. Yeah. I did. I had to turn it on. I had to be a jerk. And I had to turn it back off. Yeah, two hours of just being that. Yeah, that's that's me. I had to give somebody a cold shoulder, all this shit. Not, it's not even called professionalism. It's called being a dickhead, and that's what I was. And I own it because that's what I was being, and they deserved it, and that's just how it went down, and I think they finally got the hint at the end. But yeah. deep down, they don't give a fuck, and I don't give a fuck. So we're <laughs> on the same page. We actually agree. person I don't like, we actually agree on the same fucking thing. But I don't give a fuck about you. You don't give a fuck about me, and done. Yeah, but that individual said they don't like ice cream. You can't trust somebody that doesn't cuss right. or eat ice cream. Right. Unless you're lactose intolerant, and then you gotta eat frozen yogurt. Those motherfuckers still eat ice cream too. Don't let well, them. Well, I do, and so, I am as lactose intolerant as it gets. I don't bro. even know what that means. Is that when you drink milk and you shit yourself? Because I'm lactose intolerant too. <laughs> we all are. We all are. Well, today, speaking of about professionalism, we're gonna, I was gonna have... say speaking about shit. <laughs> no, 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 Lord, no, no. That's a oh, that's for the Friday it. rant, brother. Oh man. No, but for uh, speaking of professionalism, we're gonna it's good therapy here. We're gonna get uh we're gonna get a veteran um who's gonna come on. Here in a little bit, he started up a um, kind of a consulting firm for anti-terrorism and uh, in the yeah, medical that's high field, speed, huh? And in the medical field called Contra Group. He's also the president of Carry On, so we're going to figure out what that is, um, as well as how he came about uh, getting these two ideas, putting them together. I know a lot of listeners, you know, uh, if you heard us in the past, we like to get some of our veteran entrepreneurs on, kind of discuss the barriers, uh, issues of transitioning out of military life. And for some of those veterans that have been successful, um, actually taking an idea or their skill set and they actually put it into uh, further applications the civilian world and actually make a living out of it. We always want to showcase that to show that, uh, you know, these men and women can do it. 
you can do it too. Keep positive, keep motivated, keep on track, keep doing the right thing. And uh, can't believe you're still talking. I know, man. I'm, I'm, I, listen, brother, we, we've been out of this for, for how long? For, uh, it's been seven days. Seven days, brother. I feel like this is all new to me again. Oh, that's all right, man. Yeah, we, we, we apologize for being out of the loop, but uh, this and that and the other thing and then yada yada, we're here. So you're over it. I'm over it. We're all over it and we'll move head to head along. Yeah, head to head is now going to be pushing full throttle now. We're doing three days a week. Three days a week. Three shows a week, yeah. I three, think so. Three shows a week. We'll be in tune on Mondays, yeah. Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. But here we go. We're going to go live with Mr. Jeremy here in about hey. five seconds. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good, good. How are you, sir? Good, buddy. How's everything going? Not too bad, man. Uh, started out the day with a little little run and uh, scrapped some lunch. So I'm good to go, man. Belly's full, ready to go. Perfect. So we're, so this is Chris and then... My... Hey, Mr. Jeremy. I'm Scott. How you doing, sir? Hey, how's it going, Scott? Hey, we're doing well out here. So we were just discussing uh, Scott had his uh, New Year's resolution when it comes to working out and training and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we threw it out there. You have anything like that going for your activities for working out? Do you, do you work out? pretty regularly i mean i would imagine so with what you're doing <clears throat> yeah man you know it's uh, at this point in my life brother it's it's mainly functional fitness the the days of you know trying to wrap out 325 and on, on the bench and stuff like that it's just i think we've learned over time and uh trial and error that's just not that's not functionally fit for for what we're trying to do so i can appreciate um, i can appreciate that went through uh went through a period of time definitely where like i was doing a lot of um altitude and um hypoxia intermittent hypoxia training so um yeah man it's you know it's, it's all relative as long as you switch it up i think it's uh, uh you know switch it up and, and, and apply it to what you're trying to do sure no no doubt about it so uh kind of jumping into the meat and potatoes this thing here so you're a veteran you served our country say that again so you're, you're a veteran you served our country that's correct that's correct yep uh what branch did you serve you're, you're coming in a little broken, brother. Say that again. What what branch did you serve? I was in the Marine Corps. Oh, there, boy, Semper Fi. Those Semper shitty five, Marines. Bro. Those guys. Those shitty Marines. Oh those, man. Those you got three Marines on a phone call right now. Yeah, this is oh, about this to get just ugly. went to hell. This is about to get ugly. Oh man. Oh, man. De definitely trouble. Uh, well, by the end of this, we'll all have new tattoos, piercings, and uh, and we'll have a nice ST day. So Dude, we'll, I just we'll got a, solid. I just got a, I just got a back tat finished up last night. So I'm go. sitting here like I'm sitting here leaning forward right now. <laughs> oh boy, would you, would you end up getting? You get the, uh, get the old eagle squalled out on the old back. Man, I, I tell you what, I, uh, I, I did it, man. I don't have an EGA on my body, and that's just that, that boils down to my pure and simple arrogance. That I was like, I was never gonna let the core brand me. And, uh, yeah, well. <laughs> and, uh, little, little did it, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Freaking brand your soul, right? All right. Funny man, but not. I uh, my brother actually, and he drew, a long time ago he drew a tribal piece for me, and. Um, I ended up getting uh, getting it put on my back after he passed, and actually just got it finished up last night. So kind of a uh, kind of kind of kind of a big thing for me there. Yeah, that's honorable. Yeah, you have to send. Yeah, that, man. Sorry you, to hear that. You have to send that over to us so we can put that into the old visual on our YouTube, uh, so people can yeah, see, take a look at that. Yeah, I'll have to do it, brother. It's pro I've I, I asked him last night how many cumulative hours did he saw, and he said. I think he said right around uh, total is like fifty six hours straight. Um, well, oh not God. not straight, but in, in in sessions. Right, right. And um, just the amount of black ink that this guy pounded into my into my back, I, you know, I thought at times, and I was like, I'm a pretty tough, dude. But there were times where, like, nights, I was like, dude, 
do not touch me. Get your hands off me. I'm sure. done, man. It's like freaking crazy. What's it go from the neck neck down to the to the, the, uh, the? Yeah, it's it's all the way. It's all the way down, man. Stands out across. Uh, comes over my traps uh, down onto my right bicep, and then all across my my back. It's like one one uniformed um, uh, tribal piece. So it's fair to say here in the next couple of weeks you're gonna be doing some. Uh, Back lat exercises, some bicep curls. Oh yeah, man. You know that. Well, you, know, you know the funny thing is, is like that, I, I told someone last night. I was like, that's the thing about having a tattoo on your back. Like, you forget that it's there, and so it's not like you know, you know, you, you put a, a tattoo on your bicep or somewhere on your calves, and it's like, yeah, I gotta blow my calves up. But you don't think about it because you just like never see it. And like, oh wait a minute, I have a tattoo on my back. Yeah. Yeah, especially with the the times are changing here, the weather's changing, and you're gonna be out there in some swim trunks. Right, and that freaking skivvy shorts. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least you got your tattoo in the uh, the colder months instead of the summer, where some of us knuckleheads get tattoos, and then you got to suffer all summer. Can't go to the pool. Oh, you're dude. sweating. Man, I hate that, especially like you know I'm living out in Seattle right now, but like I've spent a lot of most of my life in Virginia and uh, North Carolina and so on. I mean, just the humidity, man, it just makes it. It's just so miserable. You're just like sweating through your clothes, your tattoos, just like freaking mm-hmm. running down your back. Yeah, it blows, man. So you, so we talked a little bit offline here before we jumped on this thing here. You, uh, you did a little time uh, in, in the Norfolk, Virginia area, as did myself, uh, with the security yep. forces out there. You were uh, first fast company. Yeah, first, first, first fast. Yep. I appreciate that. You got to wear the nice jumpsuits. Yeah, man. Yeah, they uh, I, like I, I go by there from time to time. When I say time to time, last month it was like two years ago or so, and it, everything's completely, completely changed. The latter part of the war obviously changed a lot with the with the um, with the unit, you know. And I'm sure you know this as well. But the 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 first design of Fast Company was um, was Fast Pack, which was mm-hmm. in Sandy, I believe, San Diego or L.A., one of the two. But there's you know there's all the stories of like you know Fast Pack running around with Daryl Gates' SWAT guys and doing freaking doing. Um, domestic entries and stuff like that and you know those are the days where the, the whole concept of fast was really molded off of um off of spec war because we had six platoons and each platoon had a specialty you know cqb you had a weapons platoon mortar platoon you had a security platoon and uh it's that i unless they went back to it it's not that way anymore so i hmm. think the days of uh, walking around in the flight suits is probably come and gone yeah that was the nicest part about uh being stationed uh in kings bay georgia when i was oh, for sure man close quarters battalion i got to wear the jumpsuit and look and walk around pretty much comfortable all day long yeah. it was work out yeah, man work out and run that's all i did absolutely well i mean you know the thing is now man is you know like it pisses me off because while we had those, you know, we still had the the inspections and stuff like that. You had, had camis ready. Now dudes don't even polish boots or iron camis because mm. I'm kind of disgruntled about it. But I'm, I'm happy for them <laughs> too, man. You know, think about the hours of libo that cut, hours of drinking that cut into uh, cut into, or boot shining and pressing camis cut into hours of drinking. Absolutely. Yeah, or being or losing losing liberty because you uh, yeah well you didn't get the oh yeah man uh, yeah absolutely I mean I I think there were some definite you know definite positives to it as well I mean you had your field camis and then you had your Mm -hmm. garrison camis and garrison camis should be able to stand up on their own with with stay flow (laughs) correct oh my god that's fantastic so let's let's go back a little bit let's rewind how how did you um, how did you get involved with the military what what struck you as hey man that the military is the way I want to go on with my life i came from a uh from a military family man my uh my father was in was in vietnam and uh you know kind of a cool story with 
with him, um, I didn't find out, I didn't find out a couple things that were like really influential in my life until like definitely high school. I don't know specifically what year. I want to say it was either 10th grade or my junior year in high school. I was doing a paper and I knew that my father was in Vietnam. He had told, you know, a couple of stories, nothing in super detail. I did know, I did, he did tell me once that, you know, he was um, about 40, 50 miles uh, south of the DMZ during the Tet Offensive, not, not a whole wow. lot of specifics. And so um, at risk of uh, life and limb, I went into his closet, into his chest where he kept, like, where I knew he kept military memorabilia and stuff. And I was like, you know, I just, I want to know. And um, I found out that my father was <laughs> was in the first air cast. Wow. Now, the book had come out. Uh, we were soldiers. Uh, we, were, we were soldiers and young, I believe. But the movie hadn't come out, and so I had already I had read the book. I, I gobbled up anything on Vietnam just because I, I was fascinated by it growing up, and um, and so um, I went to my dad and I'm like, Dad, this is what I did, and I'm ready to take my whip. And I said, But you like you were with one of the most highly decorated famed units in Vietnam. I was like, well, how come you never told me? And he said something to me that was really influential. Uh, and, and it helped shape me even in, in the latter years, you know, of, of my adolescence through adulthood was he said, son, when I left Vietnam, I left Vietnam. I left mm-hmm. it all behind. And, you know, once I got into the military, I couldn't understand, like, you know, we had heard all, all the things about, you know, PTSD and, and, some of us had experienced it for ourselves. And I looked back on my father and the years of him raising me and just how this dude was a rock. And I was like, he never, if he did, he completely kept it to himself. And then once I was in the military and I had stories of my own to share with him and, and, you know, usually through hunting, um, you know, I, I realized I was like, this guy like has been there, done that. And he just, you know, he left it. And there's not, you know, not a lot of people can do that. So it was really, really amazing for me to find out at that point in my life that, you know, my father was a, a part of that. He was a door gunner on a Huey under, um, under Hal Moore. Well, how freaking crazy is that? That's, and, that's a great, that's phenomenal. Insane, man. Like, and, 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 uh, I tried, my father to this day has still never seen the movie. Tried to, uh, try to take him to see it when it came out. And he's like, son, he said, he laughed at me and, you know, not, not, not in a mean way or anything like that. He said, son, I was there. He said, I don't need a movie to, to tell me about it. And I was like, well, that kind of makes sense, you know? Amen to that. And Plus, it'd so, Plus, it'd probably piss him off. Probably would. Yeah, I, knowing my dad, he's a, he's a big Clint Eastwood. He loves fe- uh, westerns, and, you know, so, yeah, it probably would. Do we share but, the same um, father? Yeah. <laughs> and it's either two things on TV with that guy. It's either, well, well three things, westerns, football, or NASCAR. It, uh, that's about all that comes on other well, than the news. But he, he sounds he sounds like a Virginian boy. That's what he Hell, sounds. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Because that's all that's down there. Boogity, boogity, boogity. And, boogity, uh, boogity. Oh my God, man, Daryl Waltrip. He followed that guy through. Oh my gosh, I yeah. can't tell you. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, that's one of Virginia's uh, golden boys, Daryl Waltrip. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, you and can't, then um, you can't talk to a North Carolina or a Virginian uh, on Sundays, and it's not because of football; it's because of NASCAR. They might flip, sure. they might flip over to NFL, but uh, primarily it's going to be NASCAR on, on on Sundays. Definitely. Definitely, man. I think last week was the Daytona 500. Right. I called him up and I'm like, Pop, what are you doing? He's like, Watch the Daytona 500. I'm like, Shocker. I was like, You're breathing. Went to church and watching watching NASCAR. So yeah, he, he picked up the phone and said, Yeah, yeah. You got anything for me? He said, No, I'm just checking. And he clicked the phone up on you. He hung up <laughs> exactly. on you. Exactly. That's right, man. You don't have no nothing doubt. important to say to me. Click. 
Yep. And that was a pregame. That was a pre. That was a pre-race. Yeah, that was that was reviewing last weekend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then and then come October, come October, October, late October, hunting season comes in in Virginia, and, and you can pretty much you can pretty much kiss him goodbye until January. I mean, his wife doesn't see him. Nobody sees him. He's down in the woods somewhere. So, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, tough life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, you heard no it. Doubt. He you, earned you it. heard nothing about a nine to five. You heard nothing about I gotta go here. I gotta go get groceries. Nah. It was NASCAR. No, no, no. And, no. It, and and all the rest of the year, he's like, you know, hey, I'll do the honey do list. I'll, well, I'll do this. He said, but understand that from October to January, I'm off the grid, man. <laughs> so if the roof breaks in, if the roof breaks <laughs> yeah. in December, he's like, well, you got another month, honey. Go ahead and put a bucket underneath. Yeah, that. get a no, that, that is. That's for real. I mean, he, and he told her that before he married her too. My my mom, my mom, biological mom has passed, but he, mm. you know, he remarried and he told her that straight up. He's like, look, like I just want you to know, this, there's this thing, and uh, it's not going to change. So, oh, that's so. funny. So the, uh, the other thing that I had mentioned to you, just in the, the messages, was just how you know finding out that Chesty Puller uh, um, uh, attended you know the elementary school that I went to for a short period of time before he went over to Christ Church, mm. and that was to me, I think. I don't know. Uh, when I joined the Marine Corps and found out more, obviously, about who Chesty Puller was, and even just before that, I was like, why is there really no talk in this town? And especially, why are kids being pushed towards high, towards college, which is a great thing? But, you know, West Point High School during those years, they we didn't really allow recruiters, or they didn't really allow recruiters in the school because, mm. you know, the focus there was going to college, going to college. And then when I, when I found that out, I went back and I was like, hey, you know, guys, we have we have literally a, a, a legend that, that was in our midst and it, it should, the kids should know about it, you know? Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. They got his picture all plastered up there now? They do now. Oh, they did it then. There was no, there was no mention of him. And then I was like, what the, you know? Right. So. What they, what they actually did is somebody's like, just come to school, we'll take your picture. And then whatever shadow hit the wall, actually his shadow just stayed on the wall that day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> had burned in, exactly. Yeah. Be, yeah. And then they put a, ro- a red rope around it, and they were like, that's, no that's, doubt. that's a shadow, don't touch it. Now, now, now because we're talking about uh, good old Chesty here, where would you put Mattis up in the ranks there? I know there's Vaseline, oh, and then there's Puller, but where do you put Mattis? I, Mr. Mr. Cheeto Chop himself. Definitely, definitely one of the greatest, man. I mean, he, you know, during the period that he led Marines and how many, how many Marines just, you know, they, they loved him. And, and as, as a leader, being a leader is one thing, but just leading by example and leading from the front is just so paramount. And he did that. And he was a Marines and still is a Marines Marine. Speaks very frank, very matter of the fact and can relate and understand to the boots on the ground. And, you know, those are your guys that are fighting, fighting wars, and those are your guys that are that are ultimately sacrificing everything. And you know, for a leader to understand that, be able to relate to it, um, is is huge. And I mean, that's you know, not trying to go political at all, but I think that's why we saw his um, his departure, his, uh, his, his departure from yeah. his from his latest office. Yeah, because I mean, and, you can't have a conversation with Madison and not expect to be put in your place. Let's just let's just no. say it like it is. It, it, exactly. No, you're exactly right. And his his argument was absolutely valid. Why are we going to pull out of somewhere where, where we know we know what happens when you when you um, deoccupy areas, especially hotbeds like that? And the other thing is, is where else in history have we ever done that? We still have a presence in Vietnam. We still have a presence in Germany. We still have a presence in in uh, Japan and in, in all these places that right and rightfully so yeah, um, even Iraq but most recently where everybody thinks we pulled out of them or not 
Or, we're not, and 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 you know, sure. and and we won't, and it's you know, so it's. Or like, I think that was a lot of a lot of the, a lot of the heartburn for him. But to to digress back to your back to your question, you know, I just think that I think that his personality and um, his ability to recognize and relate to the guys on the ground is what will what what, what the guy will go down in, in, in history, a living literally a, a living legend in and of itself, but also to to the Marine to the Marine Corps. Well, he he it's 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 great about the leadership part because. He put on the uniform, and obviously we know if, if you're in, in the service now, if you're a Marine or, matter of fact, any part of the military, you, you know who uh, Mattis is or, or was in the military. But I find it also very interesting, uh, the latest, not a latest story, but one of the stories I heard after the fact he was in the Trump administration, he was going to a meeting and uh, suit and tie, and he was in all this traffic, um, and he wasn't going to make it to the meeting on time. and. Uh, one of his aides or somebody said they're going to call and they're going to, uh, you know, push the meeting out. And he said, absolutely not. My job is to be there on time, regardless of traffic. He actually stopped the caravan, you know, the, the, the you know, his, his vehicle as well as some uh, yeah, security, security detail. detail. And they got out and walked. I think it was about 12 blocks and made it on time. Now you're talking wow. about, a, I mean, that's unbelievable. Soon tie and he walks 12 blocks and he, and he still yeah. gets there in time. Probably beats half the people there. Right. And, uh, you know, you could always tell, but I wanted to, you know, I just... I wonder I, what goes through his mind, like, on a daily. I mean, I know he has a plan to kill everybody, but you ever really think what goes through his... Like, he's doing that walk, and he's like, we just need to, we just need to fucking break all this concrete up and get rid of it, or some some bullshit. But like, did you know he, he used to have people, um, when he would get deployed, bring his library books with him so he could read daily? Did you know that? I did not. That's so huge, man. I mean, I you know, I... I, I I can't say enough about that, and and I'm not sitting here on any pedestal saying I read anywhere near as much as I should. But like you know, the amount of time that people spend doing asinine things. I mean, I, bro, I am the first one to be like, I love to lay down some hate on PUBG or you know whatever. But in the same sense, you know, being able to balance yourself out, I just can't see Mattis. You know, someone as great as Mattis or some of our other you know great leaders just laying down hate on PUBG, you know, as, as awesome as that would be to get in the headset with, uh, with Mad Dog, you know, so it's, that, that, that things like that, I think are just really critical to when we start talking about who our heroes are and people that we, you know, emulate, or we want to be our mentors. I think it's really important to look at what makes them great. And, you know, just like the question that, you know, you originally asked was, you know, thoughts on Madison and how he'll be uh, portrayed. And, and like I said, he'll go down as a, as a uh, as a living legend and you know once you start identifying even as kids once we start identifying as kids start identifying who their heroes are start looking at you know what makes them great i don't want to uh i don't want to quote him his name because i'll definitely screw it up but I, i'm pretty sure it was an admiral or lieutenant admiral uh, that was giving a um, uh, a speech and i'm not i believe it was at a university or something but he uh, he's the navy seal uh um uh, and part of spec war admiral for spec war anyhow and in part of his speech he, he just said you know what his people have asked me what's the most important thing of uh, of your day and he's like make your bet yeah i saw get that up in it, the morning yeah that. right man yep, yep. get up in the morning and, may, and and like people's minds are blown they're right, like here, here start, is this freaking off well yeah yeah it, it's the first thing that you can do that you can mark as an accomplishment and then when you come home it's it's something that you know regardless of how crappy of a day you've had so nobody can take that away from you you just sit and think about that and you're like wow 
he's just amazing leader. And like one of his points of advice is this. And it's like, you know, he's how like, big of a difference can these little things make? He's like, make your fucking beds. Yeah, man. Make, your, make it make your bed you say that to kids now and they look at you like you got your head screwed on sideways yeah. like you make my bed what, what do you mean make my bed don't we have somebody to do that you know it's crazy we'll fast forward in a couple years here um and find out that mattis had his own man cave and it consisted of a big screen tv and call of duty and, and, and headset. <laughs> yeah, completely prove me wrong, man. I'll be yeah. like, oh, and, man. And come find out he's got his own YouTube channel with, uh, playing, where he's playing right. PUBG and Call of Duty and all this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's good stuff, brother. So let's get back on you for, for, for the duration here because I find it interesting. I always We always find it interesting here at Head to Head that, you know, we have a lot of issues when it comes to our, our military men and women. They're coming out. They're, they're transitioning. Uh, they get into corporate America and they go, all right, I'm going to be a somebody. I'm going to be my own hero. I'm going to go in this company, whether it's logistics, whether it's in a, a sales room, a conference board, uh, truck driving, or all the above. And, and and you're going to be a somebody. You're going to stick out. You're going to do well. You're going to do great. And really what we find out is you get underutilized. You get undervalued. Um, you really don't get an opinion because you don't come from, quote, unquote, corporate. And you have to do a lot of job hunting. So we always find it very, very uh, what's the word I'm looking here for, Scott? Awesome, unique, um, prideful. Uh, when You're doing well. I'm trying, brother. Uh, when, Intriguing. When, intrig well, arrogant. Well, no, it's not arrogant because I find that you guys are, somebody like yourself comes out of the military and now you start your own business and it's a su right. successful business. Um, and that's just not like, hey, I, I have a great idea. Let me go for it. And now I'm making a shit ton of money and I'm able to right. provide for my family. No, there's a lot of hard work. Uh, other than the nine to fivers that are going out and struggling every day, um, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work. So, how did that come about? What, what decided you, you have Contra Group LLC? Um, how was that? How did that come about? What, what led you down that path? Well, man, you know, it was somewhat of a of a progression. But you know, I was gonna I was gonna say this in the end, but I think it's just a perfect place to inject it now because it it ties in so well of how I how I got to Contra Group and really how I've gotten to this point in, in my life. It's a, a quote by, uh, by Winston Churchill, success consists of going from one failure to the next without a loss of enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. I've learned more in my life through my failures, you know, and our parents, uh, for the most part, try to protect us a lot from failure when in reality it's failure that helps us, helps us to grow. And, and just in, you know, Sir Winston Churchill's quote, we're going to fail. It's just how, it's how you recover. It's how you process that data and how you move forward and how you move through it. Um, I firmly believe that each and every one of us is put on this planet for a reason. It's not, nothing just happened by accident, not going to get into, uh, into religion or anything like that, but I believe it's super important to have a grounding in something and to believe in something that's higher than yourself, not that just everything just magically appeared and, and, and just happens by fate. I don't believe that at all. We, we determine a lot of how our life, uh, how our life shapes out. Um, that, you know, that said with, with Contra Group, it was, I think one thing that we want more than anything, especially as service members, prior service members, is to be around a collective of guys and gals that think the same way that we do, that process data the same way that we do. That doesn't mean that our way is right. 
it generally means that our way is extremely crude and offensive to most people, but that's just who we are. And that's why we joined the Marine Corps. That's why we joined the military, mm-hmm. um, because we are, you know, we're, we're those, those types of, uh, of individuals. So, you know, I know for sure when I got out of the Marine Corps, I, I went on to do contracting um, uh, overseas with the Department of State. And, man, it was good money. I was doing a lot of the same things, you know, that I was doing in the military, literally working with some of the same dudes. My uh, One of my best friends was a ship lead, and I went down and got on the same team as him. And, um, man, I... It was good money, but it wasn't. My my father even asked me at one point. He said, "Son, he said, why are you going down there and doing this?" He's like, "You guys are getting freaking blown up all the time." He's like, "It's not about God, country, and core anymore." And I said, "Pop, you know what? It's not. You're exactly right. It's not." He said, "Then are you willing to die for money?" And I said, "No, sir. I'm not willing to die for money. It's about the men that are in that vehicle next to me that are willing to die for each other." And I said, "I know you can understand that." And um, and he said no more about it. He said, he said, point taken. I, I completely, completely get it. Um, so I think that is an evolution through, you know, through our lives. We're continuously seeking that. And I think that, I think that's where a lot of the desperation comes from. And a lot of, a lot of warriors, um, or former, you know, former warriors, former military is they're looking for that, that bond. They're looking for that brotherhood and they, they don't find it. And, and then that sends them into a state of despair, desperation, and, and depression. Um, and, you know, I'll touch on that kind of a little bit in a minute because that's, you know, really near and dear to me personally and, and even professionally. That, you know, that said, I uh, found, found a group of guys who realized that we could make a difference not only through going back to the military and offering training uh, through on TACMED, but specifically we, we target law enforcement, law enforcement and also, you know, law enforcement SWAT teams mm-hmm. um, for this type of training. And, you know, we're not out there trying to say that our training is the best, that it's the end-all, be-all. But what we do is what we're really good at doing is we're good at, we're good at combining their current skills, like whatever way they're doing dynamic entry, whatever way they're running hallways, whatever way that, you know, they're doing a high risk warrant issue, whatever way that they're doing tactically, we take our TAC med concept, which is, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing taboo. It's no massive, you know, sexy algorithm. It's March E. It's, it's the March algorithm. Mm -hmm. Most people, you know, understand the March algorithm, especially from the military. And we apply that in a way where it's, Yelling with their tactics. Um, a lot of your TACMED courses that you go to nowadays, they spoke, they focus generally on like three days of just TACMED. Well, what we did, and I think what kind of makes us, have, we have a little bit of a niche is we take the tactics and we combine it with the TACMED. Um, and, and I think a lot of people are like, you know, or people who from the outside looking at okay, well, don't they already have that? And they don't. Our goal is to try to, instead of it being the exception, you know, recently worked with uh, a department in Texas, God bless Texas, and, uh, you know, Garland Police Department, those guys, that's just an example of it. one of the departments that we've worked with across uh, across the U.S. where they get it. These guys are operating on a spec war, a military spec war level, obviously with the considerations of, um, and the legalities of, of doing it with community policing. Um, you know, what we're trying to do 
is not militarize SWAT teams, but to put them in the mindset of, because currently for the for EMS, a lot of teams across the U.S. are currently, their, um, their medical providers will just set off of the target building and wait for uh, any type of assistance that's needed inside. But generally it would have to be once the target is clear. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to push more towards everyone on the team having a general knowledge of, you know, the major things that's going to get you dead the quickest. And right now it's bleeding, blood control. I mean, hemorrhage control is number one. That's the reason that it's mar- It's the M, major, you know, major bleeding, major hemorrhage in the March algorithm. So just something as simple as holding guys to a standard and showing them, hey, this is how you put a tourniquet on under these uh, conditions, but this is how you continue to do your tactics. You know, this is how you control airways. So if their EMS can't come in, we, you know, we can show them how to effectively stay in the fight. And ultimately, we're trying to build a product more towards, you know, with your spec war teams across the military under SOCOM, they have their PJs, they have their 18 Deltas all going into, you know, going in the stack and they're all shooters. And it's not that way in the law enforcement world. They're either shooters or they're EMS. That's not every single department, but from what we've seen, that is the majority. So we'd like to take shooters and and give them the, the TAC med training to help them sustain the fight and hopefully uh, hopefully increase survivability of the officers uh, on duty, uh, especially especially in dealing with the threats that we're facing today. You know, we're not going in there and trying to tell these guys how to how to be SWAT cops because you know I'm not a SWAT cop. I've been through basic and advanced SWAT training with both um, municipal and on the federal level, but that. I haven't been out on the streets doing, you know, mm-hmm. doing high-risk warrant issues. That's their bread and butter. But what we are trying to prepare them for is a much larger threat, specifically a terrorist threat, where a lot of the, a lot of the rules and a lot of the things that they're governed by now, it fits a 9/11 on a on a completely different level with with shooters. Then then a lot of things are going to have to change and and protocols are going to have to be in place to ensure that uh, that we break the backbone of the of the threat. So basically, would you guys would you guys just kind of reiterate so whether you are a uh, a green beret or you're a seal, whatever you are, so you basically you're taking from being a, a comm sergeant, a medical sergeant, a sergeant, an armed sergeant, which who's ever on that team of four or five guys that you're rolling in with that day, you're basically having everybody learn the medic side of the job to make sure that that they all have life-saving abilities and, and just, just day one of boot camp, right? Start the bleeding or stop the bleeding, start the breathing. Remember that? Absol- absolutely. So that, that's but, kind of where you guys are, are rolling or going towards instead of having those specific Sergeant jobs in those special forces categories, you're more bringing it to that, uh, that detailed police department and saying, this is your, you're the medical Sergeant, but you guys all have to know these, these first three steps of life-saving techniques. Exactly. And an, an analogy that one of my uh, one of the co-founders of the team and former team guy uh, brought up not too long ago. It's and it's so true, man. This is so true. Um, it's so much easier to make a shooter a tac med guy than to make an EMS guy a shooter. Mm, right. Yep. And, and that's nothing. And and I just. The, uh, the the audience out there that is nothing against yeah, the against detail, EMS. What you're saying basically, and I agree with you on that one. Uh, I I I am an e, I am an EMT. I've worked on a protection team. I've I've been through uh you know kicking down doors, training with the infantry and all that stuff, all that fun stuff. Um, but definitely the detail side of being a medic 
versus the running and gunning side. Um, you, you know, when you're in there, you're shooting. If you have to stop and, and attend to one of your buddies and drag them out, that, that mindset has to change. You still need to have that protective mode and have, have you, have be at the ready, but now you're treating as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the number one rule, man, and, and, and I know all you guys know this as well, the number one rule in any type of tactical field care is eliminate the threat. Um, if you can't either eliminate, identify, or um, suppress the threat long enough to get that operator out of the kill zone, then we're just looking at, we're looking at more casualties. Right. And that, that, starts from very, that starts from day one of uh, really even SWAT school. You know, we're, we're coming up on a course that we're getting ready to uh, for another Texas-based team um, where uh, we're, we're teaching a basic SWAT. And it just, man, it, I, can't, I can't say enough how much it boils down to that mindset, that warrior mindset, um, because that's, you know, that's where it starts. And it's so much easier, and I'm, you guys probably know just as well as I, it's so much easier to sit and say, uh, okay, one of your, 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 your brother, like one of your brothers, your best friend, your brother, just takes a freaking round to the chest. It goes, you can look over and know that it, it went through his armor, and you're, you know, you've been trained to eliminate the threat. So much easier to say that than to actually do it when it actually happens and you're looking over and mm -hmm. seeing the life go out of him and you're telling me that I'm supposed to now not take care of my brother. Mm. And it's a mindset. It's, it's a mindset of understanding that in order to save a life, you're going to have to take a life. And that is, I didn't come up with that. Master Sergeant Paul Howe, one of my freaking mentors, um, book that taught me so much, man. Um, leadership and training for the fight. Awesome book. Can't recommend it enough. And he coined that phrase in order to have to in order to save a life, you have to be willing to take a life goes right back around to that mindset thing. Same thing that, you know, um, uh, Colonel Grossman and, uh, and so many others have, have preached through, you know, through the years. And, and obviously what a lot of people have learned through, through, uh, combat operations. So how long have you guys been uh, up and running with Contra? For about two years. Yeah, about two years. That's, that's fantastic, and you're seeing uh, some volume now as far as uh, law enforcement and, and uh, is it is it more uh, local, smaller type, or is it just, just now you're just getting an influx of both the, the larger law enforcements like your Philadelphia's and New York's and Texas, or or a lot of the local uh, municipalities, sheriffs departments, things like that coming out to you as well. Honestly, we've we've worked with teams uh, across the nation, man. Um, it's uh, We've uh, we've worked with New Jersey quite a bit. We've worked with uh, uh, Texas a lot, just because I personally like Texas. I mean, any state that has a state motto of "Come and take it" is okay by me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I I'm just being that. real. I'm just being real, I man. That. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, done quite a bit, uh, quite a bit work down in North Carolina with some uh, with some teams down there, and um, you know, I can I can humbly say that we haven't had a client yet that hasn't come back and said that it was some of the most profound training that, um, that, that they've experienced. And it's, it's nothing to do with, again, we're teaching super sexy ninja tactics. It's just that the way that we go about it is very in your face. It's a, it's a crawl, walk, run didactic, but it's also once it gets to the run, it's, you know, man, it, it's, it's super easy to, um, 
to put on a tourniquet sitting in a classroom. Okay, right. you have eight seconds, put on a tourniquet on your right arm, go. Right. Right. It's super easy. But when it's literally, you know, live fire going on, not simulation, not UTM, but live fire um, scenarios, there's detonations going off all around you. And now one of your team members go down and he has, you know, um, an arterial bleed of the, of the femur. You got to, you know, you got to make decisions. Do we have enough guns in the fight to stop, uh, to, to, to tend to him? If we do, what's the first thing? M and that March algorithm, major hemorrhage and get in there, direct pressure, get the tourniquet on. And, you know, once that bleeding stops, then having the know all of getting your head out of what's going on downrange. Okay. What's next? We need to get this person to a higher level of care while still dominating the fight. So, so good. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that. But that seems very involved with a lot of live ammunition. A lot of times you'll see uh, simulations. Um, you know, I, I know in Philly a couple of years ago they would do um, they would do it pretty much everywhere. But uh, typically it's all uh, simulated rounds, simulated this, simulated that. Kind of your point. Hey, there's so and so up on the second floor. So and so. Right. Uh, now you have to go and you have to maneuver and you have to do the you know you have to pod the door and all that good stuff. And um, I don't really recall anything to do with the actual medical part of it, other than. You know, you got somebody down, pull them out and get them out. And then right. have hopefully medics on standby. So I think that's phenomenal. But with that said, a lot of attention to detail you're suggesting that you guys are doing. Um, what kind of, uh, for our law enforcement uh, officials that listen here and even our, you know, some of the patrolmen that, that I know are listening here. Um, what's the course look like as far as a time frame? Is that is that a couple weeks within to it? Is it a few days? How do you how do you set that up? And is it is it also something where it's, uh, you know, you go through like a le let's call it level one, you get through level one completion. Now we got level two and so on and so on. Or is it just hey, this is the course. And from A to B, you get the training. Well, the first thing is, is just, you know, in, in working with law enforcement, realizing that these guys they don't have the time that we do in the military. Like, you know, um, talking about our CQB course down in Chesapeake, man, that was what, six, seven weeks straight. These guys don't have that, that type of time. That was the six, um, seven we, best weeks of my life in the Corps. Absolutely, man. Freaking, you know, getting pounded in the dirt, running the bricks in full oh. kit. And yeah, absolutely. They don't have that. They don't have that time. It's, um, you know, we would love to have two weeks with them, but that's so unrealistic. Mm -hmm. We'd love to have five days with them. That's unrealistic. It really is. Mm -hmm. uh, we do have five-day courses, but the most of what we work with is is three-day courses. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's there's only so much that we can cover in a three-day course. That's why we do offer you know offer the five-day, and it's it's force-fed by firehose. But we're you know we're not going to teach in in a way that's gonna you know that's gonna leave people behind. We don't adopt the whole boot camp mentality of yelling and screaming at people because that's just just not a conducive that's not a conducive way to learn all the time these guys they've all been through basic SWAT most of them have been through advanced SWAT and that's just not our place and that's not what we're trying to what we're trying to achieve um, once we get to that day three or that day five we call it our uh, FTX or our final FTX where it's all involved and it really is a crawl walk run we do use the simunition the market rounds utms as a build-up but that last day that final that final ftx man is is in your face a really really bad situation and hopefully if they put the whole you know put everything together that we've shown them then they're going to come out they're going to come out on top and if they fail then they have failed in training 
and and you know a lot of people look at failure especially when you pay a couple hundred dollars to go to a course well i don't want to fail and believe it or not man these are the things that we face like there are there, there are clients out there and i'm not just talking about law enforcement but there's one clients where just they want to come out they want to come out of training with a warm and fuzzy like mm. you guys did good you get this participation award and everybody gets a trophy but if we're being real in this line of work not everybody gets a trophy. Not everybody comes home, and we don't always win. So if you can fail and truly F up in training and get your butt handed to you, I call that a win because now we've learned lessons in training mm-hmm. that we can take and apply to the street, and hopefully that will never happen again. Yeah, our, maybe our ego or our pride damaged a little bit, but we've learned from it, and I, and I, and I consider that to be, uh, to be good training. Um, you know, so three to three to five day courses and all the courses start out with the very first thing that we talk about is mindset, mm-hmm. uh, adapting that, uh, that, that warrior mindset and getting, getting in the right headspace and then moving forward from there with that, uh, crawl, walk, run methodology. So what were some issues, uh, with that? Because as, as a warrior, as a warrior mindset, you do not like to lose. Like you, you, you learn to, you learn to, to learn from your, from losing, but, uh, uh, I know with like Scott, for instance, we were talking before we went on live with you. He was talking about his New Year's resolution for you know working out, and uh, I've, I've seen it personally. He gets to a certain level, and then uh, he just couldn't couldn't push a little more. And then today he hits his PR uh, on the bench press, and uh, you know that's because he didn't quit. He learned, right. he adapted, and he moved on. Um, where a lot of people would just go, I can't do it now, and and now they move on to a whole different endeavor. What kind of issues did you guys face or yourself face when, when starting this consulting? Because it's not an easy task going to local law enforcement or even some of the bigger municipalities and around the country and presenting something because, uh, let's be honest, uh, every every one of us, yourself, myself, and Scott, and other people that serve the military, we, we're all ego-driven, right? We all, we're all the tough and rumble, so law enforcement's yeah. no different. They already know what's best. They have something implemented, um, and then here we got uh, a, a group coming out saying, "Hey, we can help you out." A lot of people don't don't look at help as actually uh, they don't look at help as as being a good thing. They look at it as a you know I'm too proud to take it. So how I mean how how are those conversations and, and was that an issue or what were some barriers that to get this thing jump started? Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm you know I'm super glad that you brought that up because you know I'm gonna go back to that I'm gonna go back to that quote, man. Success consists of going from one failure to the next without loss of enthusiasm. That applies so much here because my mindset has evolved over the years so much than it had when I was in the military. I remember the first time that, you know, I I deployed overseas. I remember sitting across um, in a restaurant with my father and looking at him so proud and so excited about being a leader in the Marine Corps, about going, you know, about deploying. And I told my dad, I'm like, I'm ready, Dad. This is what I've, this is why I joined the military. This is what I wanted to do. And I said, I'm just so excited. And, you know, my father said some words to me, as he very, very often did, that were just so profound. And he looked at me and he said, son, it's like looking at myself. He said, but I can tell you something. You're going to get what you're wishing for. And when you do, it's not going to be everything that you thought that it was. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand that at that point in time. And life has a way of teaching us uh, some very valuable lessons. At that point in my life, because of where I was, because of my youth, because of, and, and here's a key point, because the way the Marine Corps made me, because the military institution 
they 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 trained me and they made me a certain way and it, it's all part of it's all the method of the madness as we call it and what is that that one thing is to make you believe that you're indestructible to make you believe that you're impenetrable to make you believe that even after shot after cut you will continue to fight we don't really die we just, you know, free, we, you know, the, all of the things that go along with the way that we're programmed, and I'm, and I'm not talking down on that in any way. However, we need to reach a point in our life where we realize, man, you know, we do fail. We are human. When, when, when they're making Marines in in um, Paris Island and, and out at Camp Pendleton, they're they're programming them to be warriors they're programming them to believe that they are indestructible that they don't fail we don't lose and when we step outside of the military when we step out of that headspace a little bit we realize like you know what dude we are human you know jody comes into the picture and steals our girl and it breaks our heart uh we screw up in life we screw up at our job we let people down um you know we get depressed we drink too much we eat too much we get fat we fail as humans. That's what humans do. And so it sets us up in a sense. It sets us up for failure, especially a psychological failure, because we're put on a pedestal for so much of our life. Whether we're in, you know, just boots on the ground, whether you're special operations or whatever, we're told that we're the absolute best. We're the elite. Marine Corps, we're first to fight. All of these different things. And, you know, after you're told something so long, you begin to you, you do believe it. You become it. You embody it, which is part of the, the, the warrior mechanism. But there again, I think there's a certain level of realizing that, you know, we're going to screw up. We're going to fail. And it's what you do in uh, that failure that really defines you, you know, as a person. So, how you know, how that gets us to, you know, really where where we are now. Just being able to understand a couple of things. Getting out of the military is not the end of your life. For some people it is. It's like, oh man, this has been something that's been a huge part of my life for four years, five years, or maybe even 20 years plus. And it defines them. It, the eagle globe and the anchor, the, the uniform, the trident, whatever, whatever the, the icon, the symbol is, it becomes a person, a part of your identity and who you are. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there has to be a point where you realize, dude, that's what I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. What am I today? And that directly applies to this fear of the corporate world, which is a lesson that I personally, <laughs> it was difficult for me to learn, man. I'm telling you, it really was. Still learning it was on this side. Difficult, wholly, completely different on, on the other side. And it can be a detriment to you as a, as a citizen, as, you know, as a person to, to take, take some of those things, but some of them we got to let go. And I really believe that one of the things we have to let go is we were, you know, we were warriors in the Marine Corps yesterday. But what have we done today? And how, how does that apply? And, I, you know, I tell the guys on, on, the, on the team this all the time. I, I'm like, you know, okay, you were, you were a SEAL yesterday. You were a PJ yesterday. You were a Delta yesterday. That's great. I was a Marine yesterday. But nobody freaking cares. Mm. Nobody cares, man, because that's what I was yesterday. I'm not wearing that uniform anymore. I'm not, I, I'm not in that space anymore. What have I done lately to make myself a better medic? What course have I gone to? How have I gotten myself downrange? How many runs have I been on? What am I doing to make myself relevant now? 
And that is so important with a business like Contra Group or really any other business with uh, whether it's veteran owned, whether it's, whether it's veteran founded for people to realize, like, I can't tell you, man, how many dudes that I know that are still living off of 15, 20 years ago plus, well, I was this or I was that. So what, dude? Like, that doesn't mean just because you got that, you know, you got that stripe, you got that badge, you got that whatever, that doesn't mean that you're relevant now. That doesn't mean that you deserve to be teaching dudes, you know, this information now. What have you done lately to make yourself uh, relevant in this space? And how have you learned from, you know, from your failures? If I had to name one failure, what, like, if I'm in an interview, you know, they always ask you the typical question, what is it, what do you, what do you believe to be your, um, biggest, your biggest, biggest shortfall, yeah. Your, yeah, your biggest challenge or shortfall? Mm-hmm. And for me, man, I can honestly say it was pride and arrogance. And I try to look back and be like, you know, where did, where did that come from? And it's the way I was, it was, it was bred into me. Um, I'm certainly not the way that my father raised me, but after years of being told, you're lean, mean, fighting machine, you're this, that, and the other. Man, you begin to believe, you begin to believe that and you begin to embody it. And it gets dangerous when you start to let it affect your, your psychological state of, you know, not being able to process or handle failure. So, I, you know, I think that there's just so much to be said, whether it's from the metaphorical sense or from the literal sense of understanding failure. Failure is to be human, but it's what you do in failure to get you where you know where you want to go and i think that can definitely be applied to our um, methodology for our training with contra group as well yeah i think something else that uh that, that keeps people in that mentality of 10 15 years ago is them damn sergeant grip magazines <laughs> you get <laughs> that every day jeremy you get that damn magazine yeah man Absolutely. No, because sometimes I forget I was in the Marine Corps and then just on time, there's yeah. a Sergeant Grip magazine. Just to remind and you, I open up the page t-shirt. with the same damn T-shirt that's been there for 10 years. And it gives me some motivation. I'm like, well, all right, I'm a jarhead. Yeah, them damn Sergeant yeah. Grip magazines, man. That boy's got that thing on top game. I bet yeah, it's in my absolutely. mailbox right now. I bet it's in my mailbox today. I bet you it gotta, is. Gotta, gotta be a millionaire, man. Gotta oh, be a that's, millionaire. that's well done by them. But, uh... No, I, we agree with that because uh, too often, and, and that's just the life, right? It's it's corporate life. It's not what, what you sold yesterday or what you sold last week or the biggest deal you did last year or you were the best, top performer last year. It's what are you doing for me today and what are you going to do for me tomorrow? And that's that's really the, the mindset that uh, that life really has. It's, it's, it's you're only as good as uh, the next thing. So. Um, and, we, and we live in a now-driven society. Oh, whether yeah. you like it, whether you agree with it, we, are, we live in a now self-serving society where it's like what, what okay great you you made me x amount of money last week uh, that, that's awesome what, what, what are you doing right now right. um you know so it's just being able to I, I think more than anything just kind of being able to roll roll with that and not getting not getting driven into the ground man um you know I'll, I'll, I'll share something with, with you and with you guys and with our audience that I, I generally don't share with people, but it, 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 it's all of what makes me, you know, got me to the point where I am in my life. I, uh, I lost my brother to suicide and I lost my mom to, to cancer. And, you know, the, the, my brother's suicide came in a very young or a very early part of my military, uh, my military career. And man, I was like, I was full tilt into for the lack of a better term, uh, the, I guess the brainwashing all the way up to and including the point where I couldn't even process 
the, the, the loss of my brother the way that I really should have. Um, I processed it at, and through anger. I really did, man. I, I didn't look at it as, you know, well, maybe my brother had truly had an emotional disorder. He had, you know, maybe a chemical disorder. He was bipolar. I didn't take any of those things into consideration. What I looked at, I was like, he was weak. He, you know, he was selfish. He was all these things. And I carried anger with me for a lot of years. I mean, way, way too long. And, you know, I, I, I was never at peace until, until I let that, I let that anger and that misconception of, um, of that act, you know, kind of elude me or, or, or get out of me. And I think that's, I think that's so important, especially because I did witness that because, you know, I was raised in a, um, uh, a Christian household where, you know, we were taught spiritually that that was one of the, one of the ultimate sins where, you know, to commit suicide. And then especially loving my father and my family as much as I did and seeing what it did, you know, seeing what it did to them. Oh man, I was just, I'm telling you, dude, I was just so freaking eat up with, uh, weed up with, eat up with anger and animosity that I couldn't process through it in order to help other people. And I really believe that, you know, I believe the good Lord put me in places in my life to be able to affect and, and, and help other people, uh, through, you know, through their loss, um, was involved with, uh, started an organization called team extreme to help our, help our, our wounded veterans, recognize them and help them get through, uh, you know, tough, the, the, the tough challenges that those guys are guys and gals are facing throughout their life. Um, and currently working on building another organization called Carry On, where it's honoring the sacrifice of our military and our, our, our fallen law enforcement and EMS. And, you know, my biggest thing with that is it's something that, it's something that whether or not we have ever thought about doing it, it's been something through probably all of our lives as service members. We're like, man, I'm at a point where this really sucks. And, it would be easier just to turn the switch off. And we start going to things that are going to bring us down, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs. Um, you know, and I think it's just so important to, A, have those people that are positive influences that are like, hey, brother, you know, I've I, I, I felt what you're feeling. I've been down before. You fucked up or, excuse me, you screwed up. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, you got to move through it. you got to move through that, through that space, and I'm going to help you do that. It doesn't mean that you're tattooed for the rest of your life as a, as a derelict or as a, um, you know, a, a bad person. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's a super, a super important thing, especially as we do currently face the challenges with PTSD and, and the 21 to 22, um, uh, service members or veterans that, that commit suicide each day, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, we gotta, we gotta continue just because the wars are winding down. It doesn't mean that, you know, we jump off the bandwagon with helping out, helping out our brothers and sisters. We agree with that. Well, you're bringing up a lot of these different topics, um, suicide, um, different things with law enforcement and stuff. And, you know, I think it'd be a good uh, opportunity here offline. Maybe we can uh, get together here because uh, we have some of our friends of our fa- uh, family members really have head to head, really, that's come on. Um, I can take, I can think of a couple off, off our head. One, uh, one common bond, Miss Kimberly Franco. She's the founder of that. That's a big time uh, suicide prevention company. She's a veteran. She started this program when her brother uh, committed suicide, and she's pretty much uh, kind of taking the reins on that and uh, really getting out some really good, valuable information when it comes to that. Um, then we got Mr. Adam Keys. He was just on here a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's one of our veterans that uh, had an IED explosion. 
um, uh, what was it, eight years ago, Scott? Yeah, believe 2010. 2010, um, and uh, just October of last year, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro uh, with two prosthetic uh, legs and a prosthetic arm. Um, That's so awesome, man. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a few others out there. Kyle Reyes, he's the national spokesperson for law enforcement today. He was on our show uh, a few months ago, um, maybe about a month or so ago now, mm -hmm. um, talking about the state of law enforcement today and how they're they're looking at it uh, on the, you know, over, what would that be called? The uh, full spectrum. The full spectrum, right. Uh, uh, so I think these might be some good, valuable uh, uh, contacts here that, uh, yourself with uh, what you're doing uh, with Contra um, and some of your other projects, I think might, uh, you know, be some good connections there and we'll try to make that happen. I think they're viable. Oh, they're all 100%. So we, we'll try to, we'll, we'll definitely yeah, get, get you that information over. So maybe you guys can all work together. We also work, uh, had a conversation just a few weeks ago too with Brothers for Brothers, a nice uh, veteran organization that's really concentrating on the PTSD uh, issues in, in, the, in the country now. So We'll, we'll we'll definitely talk offline about that and, and get you over those inform you know those contact informations and maybe help uh, push those missions that you're doing um, outside of Contra. We'll you know help you help help get to bring some more people on board. Yeah, as man, as, absolutely. Um, you know the opportunity the to be able to pay it forward. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. 100%. So that, that again, that's why we started off two jarheads. It, you know, we started off to try to be that resource for one thing or another, and it's just kind of it's kind of just growing and growing steam just trying to get people connected and 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 keep everybody on the right path whether you're a veteran entrepreneur like yourself or you're going through some hardships out there maybe our listeners are thinking about certain things that uh you know maybe they need some you know maybe they need a handle on maybe they need a little information on maybe they're going through the va process and they got some you know they're they're having a having a hell of a time getting through whatever it might be that's why we yeah. started this deal here uh now getting to that with the resources here how would they get in contact with you, your group Contra, uh, for these local law enforcement or or anybody yeah. looking to uh, bring that course in or bring that uh, bring that training in? So we don't do as much of it as we as as we'd like to, as far as the open enrollment. Uh, I know that's a question that we get quite you know quite often. Do you have any open enrollment uh, courses? Um, we've we've opened up a couple and haven't gotten the traction that we'd like to. Um, you know. Generally, what we do as far as open enrollment, it is, you know, it is what it is. And we can host it anywhere from Virginia to Texas. We have multiple sites where we can host it in. And just getting a group of people interested enough to put on, like, even a, a weekend course. Um, that is the great thing about the, the company in that we can customize training to the, to the needs of our end users. Um, as far as the law enforcement, obviously, we have a contact form on our, uh, on our website, that's uh, Contragru, C-O-N-T-R-A-G-R-U.com. You can go on there, learn a, learn a little bit more about, you know, our, our mindset and our methodology, and, and there's also a contact form there. Um, they can also reach me through email, jb at Contragru, C-O-N-T-R-A-G-R-U.com. Um, just contact me direct, and uh, I, you can basically figure out what it is that they're looking for as far as duration and we can customize the course around the the needs of the client that's outstanding uh any new projects coming up here 29 early part of 2019 or even maybe even later on this year you want to share um yeah we're uh, like i said we're getting ready to work with we haven't done a whole lot of uh, basic or advanced swat courses we've really kept it inside the sphere of tac med and uh, we're, we're gearing up for a, uh, a TACMET, or excuse me, a, a basic SWAT course that we're going to be uh, doing in Texas. 
um, at the end of next month or the following month. So we're we're, we're kind of kind of psyched about that. We have a lot of great assets that are that are coming on board from the law enforcement realm to definitely give some good input. Uh, give some good input there. Um, the other thing is, man, it's just you know us getting out and getting to getting getting to courses and, um, and and talking to the different departments that that are around there. You know, a lot of people. I have people contact me quite often, asking me like, you know, what are some things that you do as far as marketing and advertising? And number one, man, you know, so much, so much money can be spent on marketing where it doesn't need to be. Just going back to the grassroots, man, boost. That's why I love LinkedIn. I get up in the morning, I make my French press black coffee, freaking, and I sit there and drink it. And a minimum every morning, a minimum of ten people that I connect with on LinkedIn. And I have my filter set up, so I'm looking, you know, to connect with chiefs of police, get information out to them, and just, you know, I'm not out there trying to hustle anyone, but we are trying to just, you know, get the word out and um, and and let the let the departments know that that, that there's an option. And the other thing is, is that as far as funding, I don't think that. I don't think that just the general public, I don't think that American citizens realize how many law enforcement officers across our nation, just law enforcement officers, I'm not talking about SWAT, I'm just talking just law enforcement across the board are paying out of their pocket for their own kit, for Mm. their own training, which to me, man, is like, it's, it, it blows my mind and I guess it kind of ticks me off a little bit as well that we have money directed at so many different things, but the, 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 the training of our first line defense in our country, um, and the preparation is, is, is not, it's not dedicated, I think, in the way that it, it should, or it could be. Now that, that being said, there is a lot of departments out there that qualify for grant money. Um, the, the, the well that, that, that overflowed after 9-11, the Homeland, uh, Homeland Defense grants are still out there. And, I'll, you know, what I can say to any department or uh, officers that might be listening, whether you think that your team wants to participate in this type of training or even as individuals, you know, contact me. I will, I will assist you in any way that I can in getting that grant money because it's out there. Uh, it's grant money for training grant money for uh for gear i mean i'm i'm seeing departments use grant money bro to buy bear cats so mm-hmm. you tell me if they can buy a two hundred fifty thousand dollar freaking bear cat you know uh, there's money out there for for training for kit and for things like that and, and we definitely want to point them in the right direction and get the training man get the kit don't it does i'm not it's not we're not using that as a as a catch to try to you know to come to contra group for training um, I'll, I'll do everything that I can do to point them towards the, uh, the, the money just to, just to get the training and, and to get them, uh, get them spun up. Well, we definitely appreciate that. We'll definitely, uh, you know, get you those contacts that we talked about and, uh, we'll push it out to a lot of the local law enforcement. Um, I don't know if you're, you're interested in doing anything up here up North, so to speak, but, uh, you know, we can definitely push it out to, to a lot of the media out this way as well, uh, as well as our, our folks down in, uh, the Carolinas, uh, Midwest and uh, Florida and see if we can get anybody to at least have a conversation with you guys and uh, see where it goes with. Sure. Yeah, man, that would be great. Um, the only other thing that we, you know, that we really have, and this definitely applies to our, our law enforcement audience as well, is a, um, an NPO that I'm working on, a nonprofit organization called Carry On. 
Uh, we're at our 501c3 pending status right now. Um, we kind of unveiled last year at the Carry the Load March in, uh, in Dallas, Texas. We are based out of Dallas, Texas. And the whole concept of, of Carry On is just to honor and um, memorialize the sacrifice of our nation's fallen military, law enforcement, EMS, and firefighters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot of uh, really, really good programs that are uh, up and coming to try to help uh, those families in uh, in that transition. So not only, you know, building awareness towards their sacrifice, but also, you know, just making a positive influence and a, uh, and a difference in the lives of those that are affected. Um, we do have our website up. That's uh, carryon-usa.org. And uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Yeah, we appreciate it greatly. Yeah, that's outstanding. So we definitely appreciate that. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, connecting with you here shortly. All great insights. I'll tell you what, one of my biggest impressions is a speech you gave about af- mindset after the military. So thank you very much for that, Double Dog. We appreciate that. No, thank you, guys. Really really appreciate you uh, you hosting me and having me on. And uh, definitely the highlight of my week. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We'll, well definitely. We need, we need to get that. We get better up, brother. <laughs> well, we, beat out his run. we beat out his run this morning. So. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> got that one. Thank you, sir. We appreciate right it greatly. Keep up the good work. You guys as well. Thanks so much. Take we'll care. talk to you later. Take care, right. devil. Bye-bye. Good so, dude. A lot of things going on. Yeah, man. I mean, what, what strikes me about that conversation in my head, brother, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of putting it all together. We had, we had a lot of different people in the last couple months here, and uh, it's just kind of showing how this 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 thing between me and you starting this this thing was, was nonsense, and now it's just kind of gelling um, with our veterans. Uh, we got veterans that do you know, grief counseling and, and suicide awareness. And you got veterans that, yeah, that leadership courses, leadership. You got tech, you got, I mean, it's you just tech men and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's a nice little inner circle. That's, uh, hopefully everybody's listening to one another through this and we're just kind of that outlet. But, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, uh, people looking to get into an endeavor, they're, they're motivated now. They continue to keep motivated through a lot of this content. And then, um, but the people that have already kind of getting their stuff out there, hopefully they're, they can start piggybacking off of one another because I think a lot of these individuals um, are doing some really good things on their own. Mm-hmm. But I think combined, if they could put themselves together, I think they could do some really, really excellent, awesome, big, huge things here. Absolutely. 100% um, agreed. And how's everything else, brother? You good? That's solid, man. No, he's a good dude. He's got a lot going on. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely keep in contact with Jeremy there. Um, again, uh, that's Contra group llc for our law enforcement and military listening that uh, want to get some additional medical training um but we're going to go ahead and, and pitch off here we'll we'll catch you guys here probably sometime tomorrow um and uh till then brothers and sisters you guys take care of yourself see you guys have a good one take it easy